Well, here it is, and once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Avalero. We are excited. This is our excited face to bring you this week's show as we go inside EMS and share the things that are happening around our career field. Here is our friend, the man who's on the EMS World Tour, bringing knowledge, education, increasing skills and ability to the people up there in Lake Placid, New York, our good friend, Kelly Grayson, KG. How are things up there in the home of the 1980 Winter Olympics? Yeah, the miracle on ice. Do you believe in miracles? Um, yeah, it's great, man. I'm, I'm here at the, uh, at the High Peaks Resort uh, for the initial assessment conference. And uh, we, we had a good day yesterday. We had the, the charity cornhole tournament to, to raise money and, and scotch and cigars and, and all that sort of thing. And then we took a, uh, took a trip to the Olympic venue ski jump, which is pretty impressive to see from the top. Uh, they good conference. They treat us well up here. We, um, a couple of years ago, we had uh, a private dinner in the, in the uh, Olympic museum. And I got to, you know, uh, sit in a block bobsled and, and, and touch Mike Arruzion's jersey uh, and, and see the gold medal and the paraphernalia from the miracle on ice, man. It was just like, Oh, babe, if you were, if you were a kid when that happened and, and, and watching that game, it's just, uh, it, it was uh, a real treat to do that. Yeah. I think that, that I was 15 years old when that happened. And one of the things that a lot of people, don't realize about the um this was before that they allowed professionals to play hockey yeah and one of the big challenges was the uh the soviets ussr their um hockey players played hockey full-time they were paid to play hockey so they were more or less yeah. professional and we had a bunch of amateurs you know college athletes yeah, college. and so yeah, on right yeah. that's how we that's how we sent people to the olympics back in the day and one of the things that was interesting is two weeks before the Olympics, the Soviets, um, they blew out the United States like 10 to one or something like uh -huh. that. But what a lot of people don't remember, Kelly, is about in 1980, when they beat uh, Russia, they had to go on to win the gold medal. So that wasn't yeah, the gold yeah. medal game. They, actually had to, game. Yeah, they had to go and they had to beat Finland. But that was our at the time. You got to think about this from a. Uh, this was the cold war was at its height oh, know, yeah. and this was really bad. President Reagan was, uh, really kind of, uh, fighting against the cold war and the Soviet union. This was, this was a little war for us. This was a little cold war yeah. action for us. And then of course we know that, uh, when the Berlin wall fell, but just a little history for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but when, uh, we watched it, it was like, we, we beat them and we had never done that yeah. before. I was I was a a, a kid, uh, junior high school, you know, and um, uh, I was never so proud to be an American. <laughs> I really wasn't. Man. It was it a just, great time. It so, was freaking awesome. Yeah. We got a couple of things to chat about today. Speaking about yeah. proud to be an American, uh, how about proud to be an EMS educator, Kelly? And this week uh, I saw on your Facebook page, and I think we need to give a little props for you educating the next generation of EMS uh, professional and tell us about this young man and what he has accomplished in the state of Louisiana. Oh yeah. This, this young man, uh, Trenton Monk is a EMT student. Uh, no, he's not an EMT student. He's an EMT 
now. Uh, it was cute. He he texted me the other night and said, "Do we have do we have class tomorrow?" And I said, "Trenton, you're not an EMT student anymore. You're an EMT. You don't have class again unless it's continuing education." Uh, but uh, this kid was 15 years old when he started EMR class, and then he took the EMR to EMT Bridge program that we we do for his uh, parish school system and passed his national registry psychomotor exam passed his national registry cognitive exam it cut off in 70 questions which means that he either scored perfect or close to it uh and at age 15 years and 196 days he is the youngest emt ever certified in louisiana so it's a real feather in his cap. He wants to be a flight paramedic one day. Uh, and I think he'll be a good one. All we have to do is, uh, is figure out some way to get him some internships or something. So, so he can keep his skills sharp until he's old enough to actually work on an ambulance. And he's, yeah. What's the know, requirement for that? So, that. so now that he's an EMT, how does he, yeah. uh, how does he utilize his skills? I mean, what, what happens in the state of uh, Louisiana for that? Well, he, you know, he's, he's subject to, to the national continued competency program requirements for recertification, just like any other EMT, uh, even though he can't work. Now, what he can do is affiliate with a, you know, volunteer fire department or something like that. Uh, even though he's not working on an ambulance and they, his training officers would be, uh, the ones responsible for attesting to his, his skills, uh, every year when he, uh, every two years when he researches, but, it's been several years ago that National Registry, um, probably at the beginning of the of the pandemic or, or even before when National Registry uh, stopped uh, setting a minimum age requirement for certification. And uh, and the states can do that, but uh, our state pretty, pretty much just mirrors National Registry. So if there's no minimum age for National Registry, there's no minimum age in Louisiana. So why can't he work then? because he's 15 years old and no automobile insurer at all anywhere ever is going to insure a 15 year old to drive an ambulance, but he can work. <laughs> and but, most of, but he could work in the, what? in the compartment. He, he could. Um, but then again, you know, he's under age 16. There, uh, there are child labor laws at play as well. And, and, uh, you know, most, most agencies, uh, it's if you're a small agency, it's difficult to get a driver insured if they're under age 21 or 25. Uh, bigger agencies get some concessions from their underwriters uh, if they insure a very large fleet of vehicles. So uh, places like Acadian and, and GMR and places like that can can have a certain percentage of their drivers at age 18. But uh, he's not going to be able to to get on an ambulance full time until he's 18. Yeah, that's craziness. So I'm just curious. I mean, you know, 15 years old, what was the, what was the catalyst for him to take? And we probably should have him on to kind of talk to him about his experience, but what was the catalyst for him to jump into EMS at such a young age? Do you know? He, he wanted to be a flight paramedic. He thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, and, and wants to get on the helicopter and save lives and stamp out disease and pestilence. And, and, you know, normally I am not, uh, before these classes and before Nancy and I started teaching these classes, I wasn't a big fan of high school EMS programs, um, especially as they are done in my state, because quite a few of the high school programs are a dumping ground for problem students. 
and and the the, the school systems get grant money for uh, for a program called Head Start, where they take at-risk students and they have disciplinary and academic issues, and 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 they put them into these EMS programs. So you get the worst students, uh, the disciplinary cases, the the ones that don't want to come to class and don't want to do anything when they do come to class, and then the school administration. Uh, really exerts pressure to pass anyone regardless uh, because their numbers look good uh, that way and their grant money depends on it. And they don't, they're unwilling to spend the grant money that they're getting for these students on the students. Uh, and, and that has been our experience with several programs in the past. And when Allen Parish Schools approached us about this, uh, it, was, it was polar opposite of that. They basically said, what do you need money and resources wise to teach a quality program. Oh, that? Sure, we can provide that. And they gave us free reign to to design the, the curriculum and, and uh, have supported us every step of the way. And as a result, we're getting honors students. We're getting students who are going into healthcare tracks in college. Uh, every one of them is college bound and uh, they want to go into healthcare. And we're, you know, these kids are world leaders. They are just awesome. Their parents are, are uh, um, are heavily invested in it. Trenton's mother takes us, takes him everywhere. <laughs> you know, and the kid doesn't even have a driver's license yet. You know, so his mom and dad drop him back, bring him back and forth to, to class uh, two nights a week. And, um, you know, we, when we had our, our end of class celebratory dinner, uh, he's sitting there eating, eating crawfish with us and his parents are sitting quietly off in the corner. They didn't want to they didn't want to interrupt him with his classmates, you know, and, and all the we had uh, seven firefighters uh, in this this last class with him and they kind of adopted him. You know, they uh, they try to bring him out of his He's a shock kid. But they kind of bring him out of his shell a little bit and uh, and and kind of took him under their wing uh, uh, and treat him like one of the one of the guys. And uh, he's he's kind of blossomed with that. Now I have to probably break the, the, that's what she said habit that they instilled in, <laughs> but, but otherwise nice corrupting the kid at an early age. I mean, that's what he, yeah, they're corrupting the kid at an early age, but, but, but they are getting him to smile and, and be more assertive. Uh, and, and that's a good thing. You know, he's really blossomed. Yeah. I'm proud of it. Good. Awesome. Well, good on you and good on him for, uh, you know, the passing the class and, you know, something that he's going to be able to hang on to for, you know, probably his whole career that he was the youngest uh, until someone comes and breaks that title. But before we transition, I want to give some props to the other students in class because we had another high school student in that class who's went through our EMR and our EMT training, uh, Leela Bilodeau. Uh, she's going to gonna be a nurse one day and she passed the class with, with probably 75, 80 questions, uh, and uh, I have every confidence that she'll pass. And we had fire five, uh, but we had five firefighters that worked their tail off. And uh, one of them has taken three, count them, three EMT classes with me. Uh, and he has some learning disabilities and, and has, uh, has uh, worked very hard to overcome them. And uh, this will be his third class. And, and I think the third time's a charm. I think he's going to pass the, uh, the cognitive exam this time. Well, cheers to your students. Cheers to you for being a good educator and, uh, you know, hopefully you get them through, but let, let's go ahead and transition. You talked about transition. There's something that I, you know, that came up in, uh, the, uh, EMS one, uh, 
news scrolls that I think is worth uh, discussing. You know, when we think about the future of EMS and when we think about the promotional opportunities in EMS and when we think about, you know, is EMS a career field or is EMS a stepping stone? You know, I've come to the, um, you know, the belief that EMS is a stepping stone, that people use it as an entry level job to get into the fire department or into nursing school. And, and we have to really kind of embrace that. You know, one of the things yeah. that MIMS in Little Rock, Arkansas started to do a couple years back was they used that as part of the promotional process of retention of their uh, employees, right? If I'm going to work with you and you're going to go to the fire department, that's a promotion. If I'm going to work with you and send you to nursing school, that's a promotion. And they started to track that. And I think we should, because we need to ensure that we get the very best out of our workforce when we're together and we help them get to where they want to be in their careers. Well, there was a great article that came out on April 5th, 2022, and it was written by Leela Merrill. NEMT is now going to offer an eight-hour seminar on running for political office. And when we start to think about these things, I think Ray Barashansky, our friend Ray Barashansky, set a bar for uh -huh. us back in the old days when he uh, was a paramedic and worked in New Jersey, and then he became, uh, you know, director, and then he became the state EMS director for Connecticut, and then he became the deputy secretary of health and human services for the state of Pennsylvania, uh, and he really kind of set a bar for EMS providers uh -huh. to say, look at what we can do in our career and look where we can go. But now, uh, President Bruce Evans of NAMT has been an advocate for EMS professionals to run for state and national office. And he believes that we are the missing component into helping EMS and to helping healthcare. And now, good on NEMT. And I just want to send props to the National Association. I've been a member of NEMT since 1999. And I believe that if we consider ourselves to be professional, we need to belong to a professional organization. But good on NEMT for now giving us the tools. It's not just to walk the walk and for President Bruce Evans to say, run for office. What he decided to do with his team was, Let's go ahead and put on an eight-hour seminar on running for political office and see if we can get people into this type of business. And I got to tell you, I think I'm a little bit too old for this myself, but I would love to see and I would love to support my peers in the United States who are going to run for state office, who are going to run for federal office and really change the paradigm of what's happening in our career field. But uh, what are your thoughts, Kelly? You know, I, I applaud this. I think this is a great, great initiative from NAEMT. And, and I, like, I like that they're playing the long game. You, know, you and I have discussed in, in this podcast in the past how, uh, you know, too many people consider EMS a stepping stone. Uh, but sometimes we should embrace that because uh, uh, our ability to affect and, and guide uh, our profession into the future is probably not going to happen from within EMS. We don't hold the reins to the future of our profession. Elected policymakers and policy wonks and, and city councilmen and, and senators and congressmen hold the reins to the profession. And, and they, by and large, do not understand EMS. You know, you, you've sat in on those meetings uh, where, you know, uh, CMS is, is, 
is debating the fee schedule and and uh, and and coming up with with the the ET3 program and and uh, and all this sort of thing and and the level of ignorance about what EMS actually does and is capable of doing is pretty astounding among our elected officials. You know, so we we've, we've you know we've long said that that uh, we need uh, economists who remember what it was like to get puked on. We need senators and, and representatives and city councilmen uh, who were volunteer firefighters and volunteer EMTs back in the day and still have a soft spot in their heart for that for the profession uh, and know what it was like to do the job that we do. And, and those people are going to guide the, the uh, hold the purse strings to reimbursement and, and regulation that's going to allow us to grow. Uh, and no better way to do that than to have uh, someone from EMS run for public office and do so successfully. Uh, what do you What do you say about your leadership, Chris? That that your leadership style is to give your people the tools that it takes to become successful, uh, and and that's what NAEMT is doing uh, for the profession: is giving the people who want to run for office the tools that it takes to become successful and to uh, be good stewards of the profession in the future from from behind a, uh, a uh, council bench or, uh, or the Capitol Rotunda or, or the, that sort of thing. I think it's great. You know, I got to tell you, man, I just have to pause here a second because I, I got a little lightheaded that not only <laughs> did you quote me, but you got it correct. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit woozy. My, my heart's a little whooshy right now from uh, that uh, compliment. But I, you know, I agree with you. And, and I think it goes a little bit deeper than this, Kelly, because there are a lot of physicians, there are a lot of nurses who are in, into uh, state and, and uh, federal office. Nursing advocacy is powerful. Exactly. But where's the EMS? And when we think about this stuff that happened in, you know, in the North with the ketamine and that people are now yeah. saying, you know, you got, you got uh, lawmakers that are making policy for EMS. This is just craziness, right? And we need to be able yeah. to have our voice as well. We don't have the strong lobby. We've got a, a okay lobby. We don't have a strong lobby on Capitol Hill. But if we can get some of our people up there that understand the business of EMS, we can kind of get them, you know, we can kind of work with them now to say we need to change. You know, we talk about funding all the time and we think about, you know, uh, lawmakers making policy for us and we think about. So I think that there's really a lot of great things that come out of this. So this course is actually going to be held at the 16th annual Pinnacle EMS Leadership Forum in July. It's going to be on Marco Island in Florida. And nice. that's really, yeah, it's a nice little place, man. I've been to Marco Island. It is south of Naples, really at the tip of Florida before you make the left to go into the Everglades. And uh, it's in July. So prepare yourself to do that. Now, today, you may not have any thought of running for public office. But what about three years from now? What about five years from now? And this may be the opportunity to take this course and give yourself the ability to learn some of the things that you may need to learn, which will give you a foundation to now polish that knowledge and to polish those abilities that maybe you can run in three, four or five years. I mean, it's going to be yeah. an undertaking to run for federal office. Um, it's going to be hard to run for state office. But one of the other things too, that's interesting is that when you are a congressman, 
you, as soon as you're a congressman and you leave office, let's say after one term, which hardly anyone does, you know, you get retirement for the rest of your life. So yeah. you do one term and now you get retirement from the government for the rest of your life. But June 25th to 29th at the Marriott Marco Island Beach Resort in Marco Island, Florida, go ahead and check out. And if you're going to be down there and, and if you have leadership aspirations, the Pinnacle EMS Conference has been great for growing the leaders in our career field. It's great for networking. It's great to ensure that uh, you're learning some of the best practices for some of the big leadership names in EMS. But And you can't go wrong with a Marriott property. But uh, I think that this is a, a great opportunity. I think we should start to look at it. I think we should support our team um, and get some of our members into state and federal office. But give me your closing thought, Kelly, and let's uh, move on to next week's show preparation. Yeah. You know, I... I... I've long been skeptical of EMS on the Hill Day, not not the intent behind it and, and the work put in by the EMTs and, and service leaders who show up for EMS on the Hill, uh, but how effective it is. Uh, I think in the past, uh, it, it's been one of those days where, where elected officials use the opportunity for a photo op to, to seem uh, supportive of EMS and our concerns and then are content to ignore us the other 364 days of the year. Uh, but I think that could change if you had half a dozen senators who were paramedics uh, or EMTs back in the day who shepherd us around and say, you know, uh, introduce us to to influential uh, political uh, leaders and, and advocate on our behalf and take a personal interest in our success at interfacing with these leaders. Uh, and the only way to do that is to grow our own. And. I, I applaud this, and I think it's a great thing. And uh, can, if we're playing the long game, could be a, a great thing for EMS. But hey, that's what we think. We want to hear what you think. Would you run for political office if you knew how, if you had the tools? And if so, why aren't you doing it? Give us your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co host Chris Civilero and all the folks here at the Initial Assessment Conference in beautiful Lake Placid. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. Gonna catch you guys next week.